Welcome to the Reckoning Podcast, where we stoke a campfire, gather around, and have real-life conversations with old friends, new friends, professionals, and just shoot the shit. Reckoning all things from hunting, outdoors, beauty, entrepreneurship, relationships, life, and more. It's all just a reckoning. On this episode, I am joined by Donna McDonald. Donna, along with her husband, Jake, own and operate Upper Canyon Outfitters, UCO, in southwest Montana. The ranch was homesteaded by Donna's grandfather in 1910, and UCO remains one of the oldest and most respected outfitters in Montana. Donna has a lifelong passion and a deep ties to the outdoors. Donna has dedicated her personal and professional life to conservation, hunting, and fishing. Donna has been a licensed outfitter since 1989, an avid horsewoman, and outdoors woman. She is internationally recognized for her equine knowledge, hunting, fishing, and guiding skills and expertise. Donna has a strong passion for hunting and preserving it for generations to come. Both Jake and Donna are enthusiasts about the outdoors and enjoy sharing it with others. I have to say this rings true and I had such an amazing time getting to speak with Donna. We discuss all things about how she was introduced to the outdoors, her family's homestead, and how she was one of the first women to get an outfitter's license. Also, what advocating for women in the outdoors looks like and then what it's like running an outdoor or an outfitting business, the day-to-day ins and outs of business, what the struggles look like, and some tips for someone that may be thinking about starting to guide or get in the outfitting industry. I have to say Donna gives so much great little tidbits and nuggets of knowledge and tips for those in the outdoors, whether you're beginning, you're intermediate, or you're looking to get into guiding. I am so honored to have a true industry legend on with me. Please welcome Donna McDonald. I was introduced to you through Drea, um, and she described you as an industry legend. Uh, And you own Upper Canyon Outfitters. I would imagine owning an outfitting business and, you know, being outdoors that you've had many of nights sitting by the campfire. I always love asking people, like, if you and I were to actually be sitting by the campfire, what would you be sipping on or snacking on? Do you have something that you just love that hits the spot while you're sitting around the fire? You know, that's a fun question. Um, and always I'd have to have a bottle of red wine. Um, and then uh, just because it's a campfire. Of course, a girl after my own heart. Yeah. You know, just because it's a campfire, we'd have to do a little s'mores. And probably I love making popcorn over an open fire with, uh, you know, shaking that pot and listening to it come alive. So, yeah. Plus... You know, just the sound of a campfire just brings such a a nice feeling throughout your whole body. It really does. I agree. When you do the popcorn, are you doing it with just like one of those disposable jiffy ones that you shake? Or are you putting it in a cast iron? Oh, gosh, no. I have a regular campfire popcorn popper where you got to shake it up, pour everything in there. And if you get too carried away, it starts blowing out of the lid and getting all over your fire. But, you know, yeah, no. They're a lot of fun. They're a must-have for camping. I would say that's something I've actually never done, and now you've inspired me to look into getting that because we love popcorn. And there's just something. I'm like a salty, savory kind of a girl, too. And when you say a red wine with that, popcorn and red wine, I just always love that combination. Right, right. That would be fun with the kids. I also always really love to hear, do you remember your very first vivid experience being outdoors? Gosh, you know, I was a a very, very, very fortunate child. Um, My grandfather homestead the ranch we're on in 1910. So I don't ever not remember being outside. So I'm so fortunate to have that memory. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I can remember like maybe one of the first times I was able to go taking lawn hunting with my dad. you know, he let me carry a 22 single shot, uh, no scope, open sights. I thought I could kill an elk, um, and he, he carried the bullet, and it never, <laughs> ever left his pocket on any of the hunts. But I felt pretty tough. I felt pretty important. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. How old were you then, do you think? Oh, maybe seven or eight. Yeah. And I would imagine that's really, you said, obviously, 
you guys were homesteading where you currently are. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So something really neat about that and something I'm pretty proud of is um, we're five generations on the same land. And my grandfather came here in 1910. Four of the five generations are living on the land today. So my parents are still here, myself, my daughter and her husband, my two grandchildren. So so it's a pretty special place. I would say I always think of you might hate the reference, but when you watch something like, um, you know, the Yellowstones, the prequels, when you're watching them start to homestead that land and now looking back at like where they started and knowing that probably all the things they fought so hard for, for that land is still to be in their family. I'm sure has, you know, generations prior to you very proud. Yes. Yes. Uh, those, uh, shows have really made me think, Uh, and be reminded how difficult it was back then. Very humbling for sure. How is it, I know that you've been guiding for over 35 years and you've got your outfitting business and you were one of the first women to have an outfitting license. How did that kind of all come into fruition? You know, that was kind of a long process. Uh, The state of Montana gave uh, a test and the test was given by outfitters. So the more people that passed the test, the more competition there was. So the the test at that time was extremely difficult to to pass. And I had two little babies at home and I had uh, more time than my dad or my husband. So I studied for two or three years, went to every event that had to do with hunting. I was very fortunate. I went to a lot of different gun shops. Um, the, the men just took me in and helped me. Here I'm, you know, in my early 20s, 25 years old. And gosh, I was fortunate for all the people that reached out to help me. And I, uh, I, I went in, I took the test, and... When it was all said and done, I was uh, one of the very first women to be in the industry. And what was funny is when I would go to the Outfitters and Guides Association meetings with the state, I'd go to raise my hand for a vote. And some of the gentlemen next to me would say, you know, only outfitters can vote. Where's your husband? And I'm like, well, sir... This is, I am the outfitter, and yes, I am going to vote, you know. And and I was accepted. It wasn't an easy road, but I I was pretty well received. And 18 years later, I was uh, voted the president, excuse me, of the Outfitters Association. And I was the one calling on whoever rose their hands. So it was a big turnaround, big turnaround. But, you know, I had a lot lot of male support, a lot of female support, and, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for all the support I did have. Uh, That seems like a very full circle moment too. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Did you, were you guys at that point doing any kind of like outfitting and guiding on your land at that point? Or was that something where it was an idea that came up and that was kind of where you stepped in? You know, take on that. That's a great question. Um, you know, I was fortunate because my father started uh, unguided business, so he had some older trailers he brought in, and um, yeah, you know, the place didn't look like it does today. That's for darn sure. But um, we had to start somewhere, and the guest he ran an ad in Outdoor Life and Field and Stream, one of the very first people to get an eight hundred number. And people started calling. And he wanted a service that the working man could afford. So he would tell them where to go hunting and how to hunt the area, but we didn't guide them. We gave them guidance. And that's how we started the business. And then it kind of grew, and we started, uh, we wanted to do more guiding. And, and with that, we needed to have that outfitter's license. And and then we, we were able to get into the guiding portion of the business. And, and over the last 40 years, it went from an unguided to guided. And today we still do both. You know, there's a certain population out there that are do-it-yourselfers. And we help them, we support them, we give them guidance. And 
then thank goodness, you know, um, we're able to help a lot of people who want to go guided. And, and lots of times, uh, some of these people that want to go guided, they come when they can afford it. But sometimes their poor bodies are like, oh my God, that's, that's pretty steep or that, you know, so um, it's our job to do our best to give people the best opportunity they can, regardless of physical condition, you know, and so um, people say, um, you know, we treat everybody great, guided, unguided, and then our business grew into horseback riding fly fishing today we have seven full-time fishing guides on staff uh, we do special programs to get women involved in the outdoors and so i've always been an advocate of introducing uh hunting uh, and fishing but mainly hunting to to my female friends and so we have two different programs at the ranch for ladies um, I'm involved with a program called Shoot Like a Girl. Have you heard of that, Brittany? I have, yes. Yeah. And so I'm on their pro staff, and what a, what a great program that is. I'm on the national board for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. So so we keep ourselves pretty busy trying to get the word out and helping ladies get into the sport. I would say, are you guys still homesteading to this day, like running a ranch or a farm at the same time as well? Um, not, you know, we don't have as much property as uh, we once did. My dad was the oldest mm. son. My grandmother was forced to sell the majority of the ranch um, when my grandfather passed away. And so grandma had the hindsight to save 300 acres and so that's what we have today and she insisted that she wanted to save it for her family and what was amazing of anybody who probably needed the money it was my grandma but she mm -hmm. held her held the ground and said no this is going to stay in the family so so she was a real inspiration for all of us to work hard and come up with a way that maybe we could make a living on the land and and my dad thought of the idea of the outfitting. Was she around to see the outfitting start? She was around to see the beginning of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she was pleased that there was a way that we could move back to the property and, and be able to raise our families here. Especially when she held on to it like she did. Right. Right. Yeah. Strong women. Strong women. <laughs> I like it. I like those strong women. You mentioned all the ways that you are getting women into the outdoors was, do you feel like that now where you started back, um, you said it's been 35 years doing this. Have you seen a major shift in women in the outdoors or do you feel like it's been a slow process? Yeah, well, you know, I have to think a little bit about that, but I, I, I feel it's been a progression. And it was a progression up until maybe mm -hmm. eight, ten years ago. And all of a sudden, it became great, you know. All of a sudden, there's clothing I could buy that was made for a woman. And I didn't have to wear my brother's hand-me-downs, yeah. you know, where, you know, the crotch no longer goes down to my knees. And so, yeah, you know, and, and I have written some articles <laughs> yeah. on uh, men's clothing for women in the outdoors and how they don't work. But, um, you know, and... And it just, more and more women started to move forward and get into the industry or show show a need. And, and I have to tell you, you know, being in this business for so many years, when I first started guiding, I was guiding a gentleman, and he said to me, you gave me one of the very best guided hunts I ever had in my life. But... I am sorry, but when I go home, I have to tell my wife that my guide's name was Don. And he was, didn't want to go home to tell his wife that a woman guided him. And he, he had a great week. He did wonderful. But uh, that was long before pictures on cell phones all the time. And, and, and you know, it really, I, it didn't bother me. It did not bother me. It was like, you know... He, you know, whatever he has to do to keep his wife happy, that's none of my business. But 
I offered him a great week and he had he had a fabulous time. But in today's world, the guys are so excited when I give them a woman guide that can get out there and work hard and awesome. they're like, I can't wait to tell my wife because she would love an experience like this. So there's not only been a switch yes. in how women are involved, I think there's been a switch in how men think about getting their their girlfriends or their wives or their friends into the sport with them. Totally. That is such a great point to make in it all and having that story and foresight of all that because I do think a lot of times that if like I see some of my guy friends or just guys that we go hunting with and maybe if the wives would tag along or hear that other women are doing it or that they have maybe even the patience for it to learn I always tell my girlfriends like just go right go and see you might enjoy an aspect of it and they might enjoy what little sprinkles of you you bring along the way as well uh-huh right it it, it it's so great and I always say and give them the proper attire don't let you know no one wants to be cold mm-hmm. you know no one wants to sit for hours no being, that's my biggest thing right keep you, them warm and fed right <laughs> Right. So, yeah. And if you're bringing out your buddy, you'd want him to be warm and fed, fed too. So, yeah. On our women's programs that we uh, work, work really hard to get the ladies involved in the outdoors. But um, I get a lot of ladies who never really even want to hunt, but they want to get out. Mm-hmm. And they want to be able to go for a hike and feel safe and learn how to navigate and learn how to read a compass and making sure that they're not going to get lost or if you know if they need to build a shelter how do you build a fire how do you build a shelter and and how do you glass how do you track you know how do you even carry your rifle on a steep mountainside you know so all those are great skills um for people and it's not so much I'm teaching them how to hunt. I'm giving them confidence mm-hmm. to get out there. And I think that's number one for me personally is just installing confidence because from that point, it's amazing where people can go. And it's interesting too because even Dre and I were talking about this, how a lot of times if you're fortunate enough to grow up in the outdoors, Um, and have, you know, someone mentor you along the way, there becomes a point where you branch off and now it's your time. Mm -hmm. And even then you, when you're finally out doing it, you realize all those little skills that you're saying, how you have all those. And you're so used to kind of just being with someone and doing them together, but you forget the knowledge that's really been instilled with you over all that time. And so I do think if people, you know, if you are to invite somebody Like you said, it doesn't even have to be that you're necessarily trying to make a hunter out of them or a fisherman out of them. It's just showing them how to be confident while out there with you and just being able to embrace nature. Right, right. And and there's so much nature gives us. And, and, um, you know, hunting lots of times for me now is just an excuse to get outside. You know, I've, I've hunted my whole life and I have lots of beautiful animals and and you know I've kind of shifted a little bit in my brain it's like no you know I, I want to go out by gosh if a big bull elk walked in front of me I'm you know game's on by all means but um it's just getting on right out, <laughs> you know yeah yeah so so I think too it, it is it's just what we it's a great way to get out and enjoy nature. Be honest with yourself. How old's your cooler? Or like, do you even have a cooler? <laughs> a good cooler? Like a cool cooler? You know what I mean? I have tried all the coolers on the market. We, I think, have one in every flavor, if you will. And there was one that stood out to me. And I have to say, I am glad I tried this one out. Because if you're like me... 
I was sick of lugging one around, one that wasn't holding ice, and one that I had to dig to the bottom of the damn cooler to get what I was looking for. Like, there's nothing worse than pulling out soggy something that did not need to be at the bottom of said cooler. I found a cooler with organization, and that is lightweight, so lightweight. In fact, this weekend, I'm going to be throwing it into the lake with me so I can keep my seltzers nice and cold, the water's cold for the kids, snacks organized, and float in the lake with me. Yep, it floats. Oh, and did you hear the part about the organization? Yes, it organizes. It has a divider. This is like right up your OCD alley, but also super practical. It has a divider so you can keep your drinks, your snacks divided, and you know exactly where everything is. And it has a snack rack. You know I'm here for a snack rack. That way, you know exactly where your yogurts, your string cheeses are, your cheese for your sandwiches, and the lid, it flips. So you can either have it to where it's the plain lid up front where it's got like the measuring stick or flip it over. Guess what? That boy boy has a little snack area where you can put like a charcuterie board if you wanted and four cup holders, which makes it super nice when you're flowing on the lake or just sitting at camp and you want somewhere to put your drink. If you want to check out this cooler that I'm talking about, it is Rugged Road Coolers. You can go to ruggedroadoutdoors.com forward slash long to check out all the different sizes of these Rugged Road Coolers. I have to say, I was truly blown away by these. They are, in fact, lightweight, they have floatability, the lid flips easily, and I'm obsessed with the carrying handles. If you know, you know. It makes it so much easier to have either a big sturdy handle or a rope handle to carry with. And like I said, that divider is a game changer, especially when it comes to camping or having it in the back of your vehicle when it comes time for reaching for snacks or drinks. You know where things are and you're not digging for it, getting something soggy and ruining the trip, if you will. Again, if you need to upgrade your cooler, go to ruggedroadoutdoors.com forward slash long, and this will get you 10% off your next amazing, lightweight, organized cooler. Again, that's ruggedroadoutdoors.com forward slash L-O-N-G for 10% off your next cooler. It sounds like you've obviously come in contact with people that are getting introduced to the outdoors, like you said. Would there be certain tips that you feel like could help somebody that maybe, let's say they're bringing their wife or their girlfriend or their daughter with on their next um, scouting trip? Yeah. Is there something you would say, show them this or have this ready for them to help it be a little more enjoyable that you've seen have made a big impact? Well, you know, you and I talked a little bit about making sure that they have the proper equipment. You know, that includes footwear. And I think that um, having the right boots to hike mm-hmm. in and enjoy your time being out and and then stop and look at the little things show them the tracks show them mm-hmm. the rub on the tree and where the hair is on there and take that hair and see up show them the difference between an elk or a, or a deer and and uh, just you know all those little things that make the big picture happen and sometimes We see those in our brain and we walk by it, but we forget to share it. Because as you said, when you've done something your whole life, you know, sometimes we see those little things and walk right by it. But those little things I find are so fascinating to children, especially, um, and ladies and you know, it, I love how, um, it, and I don't know if there's any science behind this. It's one of my theories. But, boy, once you teach a woman how to glass, they can really pick up animals. And I don't know if it's because we match the color, color of our earrings to our shirt, to our pants. Our, so we can spot different <laughs> colors. It amazes me how quickly women can, um, once you teach them to, to how to glass the mountainside for animals, they do fabulous. Yeah. So, yeah, teaching somebody how to use binoculars. I think it is. that you, re- you brought up a really good point as far as just kind of slowing down. And, you know, as your brain is processing something, then slow down and share that. And really share things at a micro level like you would with 
you know, if you had your child there with you. Right. And I think those small uh, things that we see is what makes us successful hunters. And so it's important to share those things. Yes, I definitely agree on the shoe situation as well. That's a big one. And then, like you said, making sure that they're going to stay warm or they're able to layer well. So if it gets too hot um, and then food as well. And then I think, like you said, a lot of times I know with um, like season hunters or hikers, they're just so like from point A to point B almost. And they're just head down going. Um, but to kind of slow down a little bit and let the person know that's with you, like it's okay to stop and take a break or to set the pace yourself instead of just trying to keep up and be miserable. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's funny sometimes, you know, uh, I've hunted the same area my whole life and, and you, you get going and you're like, I got to get to that meadow because 10 years ago I shot mm-hmm. a really nice bull there. And, and in the meantime, gosh knows how many elk I passed up because I was so focused on A to B. And <laughs> yep. I find when I take new hunters or I'm guiding, um, I actually see a whole lot more because I'm making more of a conscious effort to point out things. So it, it mm. actually makes me a better hunter. We, I've talked about that with my, well, when he started shed hunting with us, he was, you know, starting walking shed hunting. He was like three or four. And when I would shed hunt with him and go at his pace and slowly go over things and he is just like looking everywhere and we're at a slower pace. I've found more horns with him, I think, being at that slower pace, like you're saying, and taking time to look around than I do when I'm just put my head down and going because I feel like I'm able to grid more, too. Right, right. Yep, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Has outfitting changed over the years? Has there been like a really big shift that you've noticed in anything as far as like how you do it? I think probably the biggest shift is... Um, the the thought process of some of our hunters uh, may be a little bit different. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, years ago, 40 years ago, lots of times that meat was a necessity, you know. And in today's world, um, it's not as much of a necessity as an extremely great honor or treat to be able to harvest an elk or a deer and put that meat in your freezer and and um and and, you know when you're out there and you live in in the wild and and you're hiking it every day and and you you see so many things um we still don't get an elk ourselves all the time you know and so i think there's so many more shows on tv you know they, they get an elk every half hour. I mean, that's not what happens in real life, you know. And so no. we have a safety briefing with our hunters and we talk about, you know, you know, you're already, you've already are extremely lucky because you are able to get a license to hunt and you are able to get out in the, in the mountains. And, and that's, that's a treat. And if you can harvest an animal... Mm-hmm. that's the bonus yeah that's the bonus so so I think the um, people think it's easier than it actually is um, and so when we go out and we start climbing those mountains and and all mountains are steep you know it, it's so so hunting's hard work hunting is hard work but it is so enjoyable it is so enjoyable it's like my deepest passion is to get out there in the mountains. So, yeah. So I think the um, the education we're receiving now, um, compared to how I hunted when I was twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old, um, and when I hunted at that time, there were not the numbers of elk there are today, and so we can really be thankful to conservation groups and organizations that help reintroduce elk and mule deer and and help you know we're very fortunate there's a lot of healthy animal population today it is interesting too when I kind of think of 
you know, we've talked about how now as women, we actually have apparel that fits us, which is super fun because at one point I remember my dad was taking his pants and cutting them and sewing them for me so that I would have little camouflage pants. But then I would also imagine as you've been guiding all these years, you've seen a major shift in the gear that we even have available to us in the optics. Oh my gosh. I mean, it, it's top of the line and, uh, and it used to be, you know, when products first started to come out, and we don't have to do that anymore because people know how to make outdoor clothing. And you don't need as many layers. And I used to have those big old heavy wool coats and uh, the wool pants, and they'd mm. get wet and, uh, you know, yeah. they double in weight. And, oh, and they're stinky when they're wet. Yeah. It's so... Um, you're just so much more comfortable now. And, and it's fabulous, the gear that we have to choose from. But what I used to do, because um, I, when I'm hunting, especially for myself, I mean, every little noise, every little thing I, I pick it up on, I used to buy clothes, throw them in my freezer, take them out, rub them together. And if they sounded like ski pants or made any noise whatsoever, back to the store they went. And I don't have to do that anymore. I mean, there's quality clothing out there for all of us to choose from. <laughs> do you find that there's, are there still things that you're just like, I've had this for 10 years and this is still my favorite no matter what they keep coming out with? There is, you know, um, you know, there's just some, some good gear. Um, and, and I, mm-hmm. I, you know, there's a lot of great gear, and and some I would say probably my go-to things are my optics that I would never give up on, um, mm. and and so those those are always improving, and and I can't really name brands because I am sponsored by some and not by others so it's hard for me just to give a shout out to certain brands but um we do we do carry uh, a a lot of great clothing uh in our store here at the ranch and it there's no reason you have to be cold and miserable in the mountains in today's world i couldn't agree more i know that for me i love like we've been given things from our grandparents and somehow they always find their way with us on, you know, the hunts. So we are taking grandpa's hats with us when we go hunting because he's got an orange hat and it's like, it just, when you think of the deer hunt and the essence of that grandpa's deer, like his orange hat just goes with the hunt. Or also, you know, it's fun to see people. Sometimes they'll break out a knife when it comes time to field care and they're telling you how this used to be grandpa's knife. Do you have anything like that that's been passed down? Oh, I certainly do, especially the knives, um, you know. Um, and then I'll have some handmade knives that were gifted me. And, and um, you know, and I like to take um, items that belong to my dad, uh, Thank goodness he's still alive. But you know, our um, a friend of mine who who had who had passed, and we hunted a lot together. I often carry uh, his hat in my backpack. And um, when it's time to you you put that extra layer, his real super warm hat on. It's almost like they're there with you again. It's almost like they're joining you on that hunt. Mm-hmm. And and. It makes you bring back uh, great, great memories. Yeah. I know you can always kind of feel the calmness of it. And, you know, it's a great way, like a little bit of a tribute to to still keep their memory alive. And all the things that have been passed down, not just the gear, but like you said, the tips and tricks and little things we've learned along the ways. I know that you said that you are the, you were one of the you were the first president of the Montana Outfitter Association, and you've mentioned all the boards that you're a part of, and you're really big on advocating for women to get involved in the outdoors and families. What does advocating look like for you? I think advocating to me is just being there to answer questions, 
and helping uh, promote by being welcoming and uh, just sitting down and being humble, being yourself, being honest and um, just, you know, some of the toughest hunters I know are some of my women guides who probably hardly weigh 120 pounds, you know, and I always refer to them as um, dynamite because they may be small, but they make a powerful impact. And, and you know, um, and then I, I have, you know, some of the ladies that just want to sit and visit about it and they're like no I don't think I could ever do that I'm not in that great a shape and I'm like then you just go as far as you can you do what you can but don't stop yourself if you don't think you're perfectly made for it get out there and do it and and I think that's a great thing mm -hmm. uh, and you're very good at promoting that yourself and and I think just being humble and talking about what we can and what we want to do and making it happen. When you are going to, you know, these board meetings, are you advocating for women or certain aspects of how it is that they're showing up for women? Or maybe this would be good to talk about for the female base? Oh, yes. Yes. That, that is always uh, one of my top, top, agenda items um, my personal reasons why I joined these boards is to make it so um, more organizations more people just are reminded that there are women out there that want to become involved in the, the sport of hunting and there are women out there that want to get outside and how can we set up programs how can we help them how do we promote um, and when we do classes let's uh, have something that is uh, for women or if I'm at an auction, you know, make sure there's items for ladies, you know. And, and so um, continually I am working on um, promoting and I'm an advocate for adding classes to, you know, the uh, because I'm on the board with the Rocky Mountain Elk, they've always been a strong proponent of getting women into the outdoors and and they're a great group to work with because they offer a lot of programs for ladies and and the uh, montana outfitters and guys association when i was involved with that and still today i mean they do offer a lot for for women as well so so um i think more trips for ladies um lots of times when we donate a trip to an auction it will be a woman's trip those types of things and then because we offer the two classes here at the ranch um, we're always promoting those as well if someone is listening to this um, whether they're female or maybe like I've said in the past you know they're listening and they want to get their wives daughters sisters whomever out into it is there maybe like a class or somewhere you would recommend someone introducing them into something you know, I think there's a lot of local um, events, both with the on the state level with the local fish and game departments. Um, there are archery clubs, there are rifle clubs, um, and I, you know, it doesn't take too much anymore to to find an event that is willing to help ladies. You know, we here at the ranch offer a week long women's event to where they will learn. Um, lots of lots of skills from hunting to fishing to um, spotting and stocking to uh, we have a, a, a licensed instructor for shooting and I have a son-in-law who's a gunsmith so I mean there's just so many things that we uh, do to reach out and I'll get ladies who have come as summer guests on horseback rides or just come as with a group of girlfriends. Pretty soon they're coming and they they had no idea or no intention that they ever thought that they would love to learn about it, the sport of hunting or the confidence building of getting out into the outdoors. And 
and it is so exciting to see the look on their face or the feeling you get when you're helping somebody experience that so yeah so i think there's a lot of avenues right now there's a lot of ways people can educate themselves and we get a lot of ladies who are single are a lot of ladies who come out here all by themselves and they make lifelong friends by becoming involved in these different organizations and groups yeah that's a great point especially like if you're listening to this and you're female you don't have to wait for a male or one of your buddies to invite you you can go find one of these groups and just get started like you said it doesn't have to be like going straight to hunting just getting outdoors and getting comfortable with that you know what we love we love supporting a company that not only has incredible products but gives back i'm talking about mountain ops with you you guys the customer they were just able to donate the five millionth mill what that was all done through operation conquer hunger if you are not familiar when you place an order through mountainops.com one mill is donated to a child in need and i have to say i've helped with the operation conquer hunger events and there is nothing like it not only do they do that, but they also donate to conservation and they're celebrating their ninth year in business. Right now, during the week of the fourth, you can use my code BRIT, B-R-I-T-T, at mountainops.com to receive 30% off plus free shipping. You know we love their supplements. If you're new around here, my favorite is the Slumber. It's kind of like their sleepy time tea, if you will. I like the Sleepy Cider. Cody likes the Salted Caramel. You make a hot mug of water, blend that in. The flavors are delicious. And it has the perfect blend of magnesium, valerian root, and a little kiss of melatonin. It puts you into a deep, restful sleep for great for recovery. And also, my favorite part is you do not wake up groggy. You wake up feeling refreshed and ready for the day. So if you have an anxious mind like me, I highly suggest trying Slumber. We also love their protein bars. We love throwing those in our packs. And right now during summer, the new product Hydrate is insane. It helps keep you hydrated like the name says. And this is done with potassium. It doesn't have a whole bunch of sodium and sugars like the other brands, if you know what I'm saying. You know, we love their apparel and also their protein. If you want to check out mountainops.com for yourself, be sure to do that and use my code for 30% off plus free shipping. That's Brit, B-R-I-T-T. And if you're listening to this after the 4th of July, don't worry, I can still hook you up with free shipping. If you want that, use my code Brit free ship. That's Brit with two T's. Go to mountainops.com, use our codes to support the show and some amazing causes. You mentioned that you guys do, you said horseback riding and also fishing as well. Is that correct? That's correct. Fly, Fly fishing. fishing. Uh-huh. When did you start incorporating that into the business? Oh, we started probably eight or nine years into it. So we're a good 20, 25 years, uh, into the fly fishing aspect of it so and do you fly fish oh yes yes uh-huh so no i enjoy the fly fishing uh it's it's a great sport too and another great way to get out and there's a lot to offer while you're cruising along the you know hiking along the banks of the river and you see elk track and deer track and moose track and and so it I guess I'm always hunting, <laughs> even when it's not hunting season. You know, as far as in my mind, seeing animals and looking. I mean, you, you become uh, passionate about conservation and protecting those animals. Mm-hmm. And hunters really are the largest conservationists. They give more money to wildlife preservation uh, than in than any other groups and I, I believe the majority of hunters really want the very best for our wildlife. I agree. Yes, I definitely agree. Running an outdoor business, are there like 
I'm sure your everyday life is never like consistent. There's probably an ebb and flow and seasons. Can you kind of walk us through what a day in the life of you would look like as far as running the business? Oh, yeah, you bet. Um, uh, you'd, you're absolutely right. No two days are the same. Mm-hmm. And things can change on a moment's notice. Um, you know, we, uh, well, what I tell the staff is there's very few things in our industry we can control. We cannot control the animals. We cannot control the weather. We, you know, we, we cannot control success. Um, we can do our best to assist. So the things we better control are we better be good guides, we better have good food, we better have decent housing, and we better love what we do. Because then the rest will come together because there's so much out of our control. So with that being said, um, I'll just pick, pick any given day of hunting season. Um, so my uh, cooks get up about 3 a.m. and they'll have uh, breakfast for the hunters. Uh, we have to we'll always game plan the night before where my uh, guided hunts are going. I'll double check, make sure my unguided guides are going out uh, in the right direction. Each of my guides are given an inreach, so we uh, are able to know where they're at, if they need help, if they need assistance, or if they harvest something, we can send in a packing crew. Uh, We do live in grizzly bear country, uh, so we try to get the animal retrieved as quickly as possible. So um, from the moment the sun rises until the sun sets, you don't know which direction you'll be headed. And then somebody always ends up, you know, uh, getting stuck. Or we're 24 miles from the nearest town, or we'll get people off the road that need help with certain things. And so um, every, every moment, the day changes and so for me to say I'm going to pay all the bills today or I'm going to do this or that if I get my own work done that's a bonus <laughs> but um, I don't plan on getting a whole lot done during hunting season sounds like it I can only imagine because just when we're out for a week it's just like that let alone adding in all the different aspects of business <laughs> right right yeah You gave some great tips at the beginning of that where you can only control so many things and that's what you're going to control. But I'm curious if you have any tips for someone that is thinking about getting into an outfitting business or guiding. Do you have any tips for someone that's wanting to get started in that? I I think my number one tip is don't get in it because you want to see if you can hunt more yourself because you're not, you're not going to hunt a lot for yourself. You want to be have the love to share what you love to do. Mm-hmm. And um, now and I get more excited when I'm helping somebody and they see or get into an animal or we sneak up close and and they look over at me and they have that look of wow in their face. That's my pay. That's that's my gratification. So if you are all about just harvesting large animals all the time, you're probably going to stress yourself out mm. because as good a shape as you're in, your client may not be able to climb that mountain. So you got to think on how can I get that person to that elk up there? Or, um, you know, those the people we're taking out don't live in Montana or a Western state or wherever, and they don't have access to it. Everybody is so busy in today's world, it's hard for people to get out to the target range. It's hard for people to get out to the gym. And, And so you just need to adjust what you're doing to others' ability and still be happy about offering the service you'd like to offer. That is, I definitely think that'll make a few people step back and be like, hmm, <laughs> maybe not, depending on, like you said, all of that information. For the clients that you get coming out, are they 
a melody of like seasoned hunters and beginners or do you get one over the other when it comes and and fishing too we're we're so lucky we're so blessed uh the majority of our guests are repeat Mm. and um and, but I tell you, if I get a, a lady that calls, and we're getting more women that come out, and the the ladies like to go hunting, and the husband says, "You know what? I'm going to hang around camp. You, this is for my wife. You know." And, wow, awesome. and that just gets me all excited. Me too. When, when that <laughs> happens, but yeah, you know, it, yeah, it, it, I'll, uh, you know, I always do my best. You know, when when a woman calls and says she she wants to get in to the sport but um you know there's a uh, there's an interest in people getting out and harvesting their own food and knowing where their food comes from and and so we're we are and you know years ago when we started the business it was almost your father did it your grandfather did it and now that may not always be the case Mm -hmm. and so it's nice to have uh a place that people can go to learn, be it male or female, and and so we do. We get uh, some beginner hunters, and we we most of our hunts are booked a year to two years out, and we'll help those hunters prep and become prepared for the hunt long before they ever get to Montana. Very cool. What does that prep look like? Is it just kind of giving them a guide on what they need? Well. No, um, you know what, uh, we will send them information, uh, we'll ask a lot of questions, um, some of them will come out dur- uh, prior to the hunt during the summer season, they'll hike, uh, they'll hike, they'll learn the country, they may go through one of our programs, um, and we, uh, we just help them in every way, we help them with clothing list. They always get a discount when they buy uh, the, the clothing we have to offer if they're booked to hunt with us. And so we're going to help them with it from footwear to the right clothing to, you know, we'll even work with them as far as an exercise program. If they want to get out and hike, we'll let them know how far shots how they should practice, what's the best caliber of rifle, you know, what are good optics. I am one of those that are so, if you can't see it, you can't mm-hmm. get it, you know. And one of the most important things people need to brain is good optics. And so we'll, we'll help them with that as well. That is so smart. And as someone that's like, I like knowing what's happening in a list and I can imagine someone that's making the commitment to come into it new too. Like you said, you really are just building up them up with confidence before they get there, which is such a huge, huge aspect to that. Right. And no false expectation, mm-hmm. you know, let them know that you, you may come out and not go home with meat. You may come out and not harvest an animal, you know. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest things is, you know, don't oversell. And just, you know, let people know what what's to be expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Is there any tips that you would say for families getting started in the outdoors? Let's say... Dad kind of grew up going to the outdoors, going camping with his dad here and there, but it's been a long time since they've gotten outdoors and he's ready to go take them fishing and maybe just even start camping. And they've got children. Is there any tips that you would have for a family just starting to get outdoors and being able to experience that together? You know, I do. Um, I think, you know, number one is is getting out there, uh, respecting the land. Um, and, you know, maybe go one night, two nights, you know, uh, and see how it goes. I mean, it, it may be, you know, unless you have a friend or, you know, you do some, some homework, you know, your family may not be too pleased with you if you decide to go for a week-long <laughs> trip into the mountains and you're not w- very well prepared, you know. Mm-hmm. That may be the end of your camping, and we don't <laughs> want that, you know. It's a, you know, yeah, b- being prepared and making it fun, you know. Just 
getting out there and and having a good time with the kids and and your wife and and you know take it and cook some meals over the in a dutch oven over a campfire kids love that you know and and make it so that everybody's working together as a team you know and and then i think um i can remember when we were little we'd go out my mom didn't enjoy it because she had to wash all the smoky clothes when we got home she had to prepare all the meals and now when we're we go out we all pitch in together you know the work doesn't stop when you pull back in the driveway (laughs) you still need to help mom out yeah (laughs) good call donna that is an important message right there (laughs) yeah so so yeah make it fun for everyone yes do you guys have any fun upcoming adventures in the next month or so oh my gosh i we do. I mean, uh, we are starting some uh, horseback trips. Um, we this uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, we have here at the pro- the ranch. My daughter has a program called uh, Gotcha Six. It's a nonprofit 5013C, and it's called Upper Canyon Outreach. And what we do is veterans come in, and they have the whole weekend. Uh, free of charge here at the ranch and they will go through uh, a program with the horses and it's amazing how healing those horses are for those soldiers and so uh, we're really looking forward to that upcoming event this weekend and then we'll kind of kick off our season with um, a couple family reunions are coming up uh, some horse programs and then in july we'll do our women's discovery week and then we'll have another women's hunting um week uh first week of september i know people say why did you do an educational class the first week of september that's when we want to be out hunting well we're doing it the first week of september because i want to offer the real deal i want to go out and show people how to call elk how to be with elk how to get into elk and and there's nothing like practicing it there's nothing like the elk right it's so so that's why we, I, we picked the first week of september it's not the heart of the rut but it's the beginning of a uh, little preseason, and so they're going to hear some bugling and they're going to hear cow calls and and so um those are a couple of the events and every week during the summer we offer uh four by four tours we offer homestead tours uh we do a shooting range class in our course our fly fishing and we do do a horse equine health therapy as well and so yeah so a little different spin than most ranches but um there's a a lot to offer and we we want you know we want both males and females to come and feel very welcome at at our ranch yeah, listening to all that, you definitely sound like almost the one-stop shop and the introduction to the advanced, really. Right, right. Uh-huh. Sounds like quite the place. Do you have any upcoming hunts yourself this year that you know of yet? Yeah, you know, I don't. I am just, uh, I love to archery hunt, um, so uh, I I make sure I'm not working all the time. So, um, and it's so, um, I, I'm so fortunate where we live in the southwest corner of Montana, right on the Ruby River. We have the Snowcrest, Greenhorn, and Gravelly Ranges come together right out my back door. Mm-hmm. And so, um, there's like 800,000 acres of Beaverhead National Forest. Uh, I get to call my backyard. So, yeah, so um, I'm pretty content hunting right here. I, I don't yeah. blame you. <laughs> Sounds like the place to be. Right, right. <laughs> what I'm curious because I, the archery hunt has my heart, as everyone knows. What do you have, like a bow that you're currently loving right now? Oh, you know what? I have a Matthews. Okay. And I, I'm re- really liking, liking my Matthews. Um, and um, I've, I've had holds. I've, 
enjoyed those. So how about yourself? I just got me the new um, Eva Shockey Gen 2 by Bowtech. Oh, yeah. It's been a major upgrade because I had my other one for about 10 years, Donna. Probably like 15. (laughs) You know, that's what I'm always reminding people of. Technology and what there is today is so amazing from the range finders to, you know, the equipment we use, the, the rifles. The, but, you know, technology is not going to make us excellent hunters. We have to get out there and do the homework. We have to get out there and do the footwork. And that's what I love about hunting, you know. Donna, can you let everybody know where they can find you and Upper Canyon Outfitters? Oh, you bet. Um, Of course, we have a website, uh, UCO Montana, um, and so you can certainly look us up there, um, and we have a five-star rating, so knock on wood, you know, that's, that's, uh, we're very well received in the outdoor industry, Um, you know, just, uh, you can Google Upper Canyon Outfitters, um, you can call, you can email, if you want to send me a personal email, any ladies out there, I'm going to give you my personal email address, which um, I I would love to help you if you're going to hunt with us or not, you don't need to book, I will reach out and help it whatever way I can and I'll give that to Brittany at the end of the show that is so generous I will be sure to put that in the show notes below and also in the article Donna thank you so much for coming on I appreciate everything that you were able to answer for us and just hearing your story in general Drea is totally right you are an industry legend and you have paved the way for a lot of women and I thank you for that and just giving us the wealth of knowledge that you have for us. Well, thank you. It's been a lifelong passion, and um, I'd be pretty selfish if I didn't want to share it. So I've been blessed with a beautiful, beautiful location, and gosh, it's been an amazing life. So thank you for having me on your show. Please don't forget to subscribe. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating interview. It seriously helps more than you know. If you took something away from this podcast or you enjoyed it, please take a screenshot of you listening to it or a selfie and tag us on Instagram at The Reckoning Podcast or me at Brittany.long. We're excited to chat with you next week.